Welcome to The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all. Enjoy the show. Portland has some pretty flimsy regulations when it comes to outdoor camp or cooking fires, as well as camping in public spaces. And it can be argued that those regulations have contributed to what is now a gut-wrenching humanitarian crisis happening throughout our streets. What once felt like compassion now feels like outright neglect, as homeless encampments regularly ignite, burning away what little belongings many camp residents have. These fires have become a Portland epidemic, emblematic of our larger problems. Weak leadership that favors business interests over humanity, a constituency torn between kind tolerance and dazed complacency, and a housing crisis illustrated most effectively by tents clustered beside long-abandoned buildings, office spaces, and often livable homes. How did we get here? And how do we get better without going backwards? It's Saturday, November 5th, and this is episode 96 of The Dive. On today's episode, I'm welcoming Natalie O'Neill, whose cover story this week, Campfires Everywhere, investigates the causes and effects of campfires burning out of control within the city limits. Natalie and I will discuss how her experience meeting neighbors both within and beyond established property lines who are affected by these fires shaped her POV on potential solutions. But first, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week. Pickleball courts will be installed across the two blocks beside Laurelhurst Park, known for their encampments. But, get this, Lake Oswego residents who also live near pickleball courts recently threatened to sue the city if the courts weren't moved. Apparently, the sport is too loud. How will Laurelhurst residents react? Planters on the courts? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Lucas Manfield reports that facing a dire need for mental health care infrastructure... Dangerously ill people are being released onto the streets without supportive care. Judges hearing cases against these patients must then choose to either release them and dismiss charges, jail them, or have them civilly committed. Either way, the core issue remains. Too many bodies in need and not enough support to provide adequate care. But in good news, m is coming back! Whoop! The Portland Bread Wrapper will perform with the Oregon Symphony at the Schnitz on Wednesday the 9th. And on the 11th, you can catch me and Joshua James Amberson reading excerpts from our new books at BodyWise Physical Therapy on Northwest 12th. You can visit CorzaBooks.com to learn more about that event. Now, let's chat with esteemed journalist Natalie O'Neill to discuss her WW cover piece, Camp Fires Everywhere. I noticed it in my neighborhood. There's a, there was a an apartment building that was next to an abandoned lot where a bunch of houseless folks were living in tents. And that encampment caught on fire and it caught the whole side of that apartment building on fire. A few weeks later, I noticed another building got caught on fire. And as my wife and I were driving down 84 not long later, we saw a, a raging fire in a, in a tent. And just they spread so fast that it went from even just us in traffic how big it got quickly was really scary. So we called 911. And, we, and so I just thought, this must be happening 
somewhat regularly if in just a couple months yeah. I've seen. So then I asked the fire department for some data uh, this past spring mm-hmm. to see. I just was curious what percent of fires total were homeless related. They came back to me at that point saying it was 43% or they gave me the numbers and then I crunched it and said 43%. But then we got more recent, actually not more recent, but we got bigger picture numbers comparing 2019 to 2020 and 2021. And when we looked at last year, we saw that it was more than half of all fires. So, you know, it's always like you're, you see a thing, you see something and then you're like, I wonder if this is a thing. And then the numbers kind of show you, oh, this is a thing. Oh this yeah. Is like a, this is a big thing. One of the, so. one of the numbers that, blew my mind was that Seattle is experiencing way fewer fires in their houseless encampments than Portland is. Yeah, and they've got more people there too. Yeah. It's a bigger, it's a bigger city, so. And you know, we're, we're kind of sister cities in a way. We've got the same, mo- you know, temperate, moderate, um, moderate climate. I don't know how much that plays a role, but you know, it certainly does if you're trying to stay warm outside. And um, so, yeah, we're, we are surpassing them in that. Oh, that's wild. Why are there so many fires in the camps? Two reasons. When you're camping and you're, when you're living outside, you have to stay warm. So fire is one way. Um, also makeshift heating devices. Um, cook and when you're cooking and living when you're living outside you need to cook so that you can eat so that's a factor Um, we also found that drug use is a factor Um, and then there you know it's funny I didn't I was skeptical when I heard this at first but then I heard it from multiple fire officials and multiple homeless people that um, feuding homeless folks are it's one way that they're kind of getting back at each other is setting each other's stuff on fire and I I didn't you know we didn't have the numbers exactly on that but anecdotally heard that that was something that at least up in North Portland was happening a lot it's a bunch of things but the thing also is that these that camping gear like just tents and sleeping bags and tarps in general are super flammable yeah yeah what was the most um what was the most difficult part of crossing the threshold into the camps you know i was an, i'm an outsider those are very um there's a mental illness factor people can be territorial in those areas there's also some you know an element of danger unfriendly dogs and mm. that doesn't scare me too much because I, ha- I feel like i can just usually kind of trust my gut about you know, if it, if I'm getting the feeling that someone doesn't want me around, I'm going to bounce. Sure. If I feel like someone wants to share something with me, I'll stick around. I'm wondering, once you meet the people that you're going to talk to, you have these discussions, I was wondering if there was like a shift in your own perception of houselessness? The thing that sort of surprised me in having these conversations about fire and injury and losing everything and losing loved ones is almost how it's almost become sort of humdrum for Mm. some of these folks that I talked to like yeah my friend died you know yeah Yeah. I lost everything it's like what you lost everything but it's such it's almost like they're they've 
some of them had, were so resigned to just things going badly that it's it wasn't shocking to them at all that they, you know, it was sad and they told me about it, but it wasn't like, listen to this crazy story. Yeah. This happened to me. It was like, whoa, you know, I almost had to pull it out of them. And then once they said it, they didn't, they weren't shocked by it. It was like just part of life out there. It's mm. like things are so hard that it was normal. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Having said these things, what do you think about the um, the camping van? Um, look, I can see I can see both sort of sides of this. Like, I don't think we should be criminalizing homeless people, but I do think the city of Portland is in crisis right now. Yeah. I think the health of our city is suffering, and something needs to happen. And whether it's a plan to move everybody to designate new move homeless folks to designated camping sites or some modification of that um, for the health and safety of our city. I talked to a lot of smart people for this story and nobody had a better idea. I mean, smart Mm. people, including homeless folks who are street smart and have been out there. And some of them actually said, yeah, a modification of that, of his plan could work. Mm -hmm. Maybe not 500 person uh, camps, maybe smaller, maybe six smaller ones or something like that, where there could be designated warming areas, designated cooking areas. I mean, just as it relates to the fi- this fire issue, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the worst. I don't think it's the worst idea. I think it, I think some some version of it could work. And honestly, I haven't heard a better idea. Yeah, and I mean, I think. We don't want to come off not compassionate. Yeah. And our hearts are in the right place. It almost stops being compassionate mm. to let folks live that way if it's dangerous. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, there was a fire. I'm. It's an idea I'm exploring and I'm spitballing here, but I, I will say some smart folks that I talked to for this story made that point as it pertains to the fire safety issue. And it, you know, it got me thinking. I think it's worth considering. Yeah. What was the most impactful thing that you learned while you were reporting the story? Well, I mean, the most impactful thing, I think, hinged on the on that data, just that it's, you know, more than half of the city's total fires are in, ho- in or near homeless encampments, and that they've doubled in the last um, three years, or in a three-year period. I mean, that's the most my journalism self says that's the most impactful. My human self, um, the, the things I found compelling was spending time with this homeless guy, Mitchell. I mean, he actually lost a love, like a close friend, not long after under under an overpass not too far away. So that really got me. I'm like, man, you already had so little. And then you lost, like, your boots, you oh, know, gosh. and, like, your your clothes that kept you warm and now you're you know it just I don't know if that's the most impactful maybe emotionally impactful yeah yeah I felt emotionally impacted by that as well yeah what do you think well what what do you think would um what else could we do to make Portland less of a tinderbox solutions yeah solutions Honestly, that was one of the most frustrating parts of this story is that 
nobody really had one. I mean, the Wheeler's plan could help. <laughs> um, since since I've talked, I've talked to some sources since the story ran, and there's some talk within the fire department about maybe a task force dedicated specifically to going into some of these more um, fire hazard prone camps to take more action, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever that means, because right now there's just not a lot of enforcement teeth that the fire marshal office even has. You know, that's, (laughs) that might be a can of worms though, because I don't know that they have the personnel or the funding to do something like that. And I don't know if maybe they should be the ones making that judgment call. I mean, it definitely when it comes to fire fires and hazards, they should be making the judgment call, but then it's it's more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have any, I don't have a magic solution and nobody I talked to did, but I, I, I think maybe wheelers, plan or some form of it could be a start. Yeah. What was cut out of the story? Oh, um, one thing that was cut out that I thought was so um, crazy was that, okay, so I was talking to Mitchell. I spent some time with him, tagging along with him under those overpasses and around those areas and we went to go get him some cigarettes and as he's stepping out of this gas station he lights a cigarette and he goes oh hey look there's another homeless fire and there's this massive plume of like as i'm reporting this there's this massive plume of like thick gray smoke like probably 40 or 50 feet rising in the distance over near his camp oh no so like if I needed any more example that this is happening a lot, it's right there, right in front of my face. So he is nerd. He hustles off on his mountain bike because he's scared that it's his camp that's on fire. And I'm like nerdily with my reporter no- notebook, like running, at- <laughs> running along after him. Um, and it ended up being a fire like a little ways down more towards the um, Columbia River, and then boom, fire trucks go by, fire trucks go by, and they got it out um, before anything got too crazy. But um, but anyway, it was just like, whoa, this happened in this exact moment while I'm talking to you about this exact thing. Big thanks to this week's guest, Natalie O'Neill, and thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!